For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Welcome to episode nine of season two of Armchair Donkeys. Today we welcome back Adam Bledsoe and newcomer Jason Gesser, who was a first team All-American quarterback at Washington State, where in 2002, he led the Cougars to one of their three Rose Bowl appearances. During his senior year, uh, Jason and Carson Palmer were named co-offensive players of the year in the Pac-10, where he would finish seventh in the Heisman Trophy voting. Jason is second in total wins at quarterback at Wazoo behind only Luke Falk. He later went on to play professionally in the NFL, Canadian Football League, and in the Arena League before doing some coaching at Idaho and the University of Wyoming. And it appears that is where your football story ends, Jason. Thanks for joining us on the show and helping us pick some games today. Of course. Well, and first off, I got to say, screw Carson and screw Luke Falk. You know what I mean? <laughs> that messed everything up for me. So, no. <laughs> They're both great buddies of mine, so I can say that. I love it. Well, let's kick things off in Pullman then with an interesting Thursday night matchup where the Utes are gifting the Cougs seven points at home before this thing even kicks off. The over-under in this game is 55. Yeah, I would uh... – I'm going to go and say uh, I'm, I'm taking Utah on this. Uh, I hate to go against the Cougs, but I'm taking Utah. If you got money on the line, you're going to get the true thing from, from me. I'll tell you that much. Um, although Washington State has played well at home, uh, their offensive production just has not been enough. And I want to say it was the Oregon game, uh, Oregon and uh, the Cal game, where they actually put up more than 28 points. Uh, Cal had 28, Oregon they had 41. But the last couple of weeks, it was, you know, 10, it was 14. Uh, they've been very lame on the offensive side of things. I don't think they have the the, the juice to keep up with the, the the powerhouse that Utah has, especially with the big boys up front, man. When they when you have those big boys up front, the tight ends, um, what they're able to produce. Uh, I want to say Utah, Utah is averaging somewhere between 40 points a game, 40, 40 and a half points per game. So, um, and, and Washington State's at a mere 24. So, uh, I, I think that seven is a little slight, to be honest with you. Uh, I would even go into seven and a half, or even possibly eight and a half. So uh, I'm taking I'm taking big time on on on, on the Utes on this one. Adam, yeah, I think you know the Washington State's defense has been kind of uh, surprisingly good uh, over the course of the season. Um, you know, they won a shocker at Wisconsin. Uh, they've played everybody tough, um, but like Jason said, they're having trouble on the offensive side of the ball, uh, getting it in the end zone. So I would concur with that pick. My initial gut reaction on this game, uh, I, I don't think Utah is, a, is a, as good at, at linebacker as they have been in the past. And I, and I liked you guys at home. I, I liked uh, the Cougs at home in this game, and I liked the value on the money line. But when I take a step back and I start to unravel the politics in today's college football in an economy that's getting worse by the day, that scenario doesn't seem as probable. And I watched the Pac-12 refs screw USC against Utah two weeks ago. I watched the Big 12 refs throw 14 flags against the Longhorns to Oklahoma State's zero penalties last Saturday. Both of those games are one-score victories for teams 
that are staying in their conference. I think we can all agree that the Pac-12 is in trouble, and they would love to see one of their teams not named USC or UCLA make the BCS Final Four. Oregon is the only option. Not only would that be a massive payday for the conference, but it's also huge for Pac-12 branding in such a critical time in college football history. So how do the Ducks get to the championship? Well, first, they're going to need some help. Uh, they will also need wins over a ranked Utah team and a top 10 one-loss USC team. If Utah loses this game on Thursday, they'll have three losses under their belt, and they likely lose their ranking ahead of the matchup against Oregon. Unfortunately, at 1-3 and three in the conference, the Cougs are already out of it. Long-term, it's probably better for them and the conference if Oregon makes the BCS final than it is for them to win this game against Utah. I think the safe bet is Utah on the money line or in a teaser getting those seven points back down to a pick em. All right, Bledsoe, uh, let's go to Happy Valley where Ohio State is giving Penn State 16 and a half at home. The over-under in this game is 61. Yeah, I had it at 60 and a half is what I, from my book. But, uh, you know, it's going to be a defensive battle, classic Big Ten defensive battle. Super hostile environment. You know, Ohio State is the Oregon of the Big Ten. Everybody hates them. And so, uh, you know, they're going to roll into a tuned up uh, uh, college station, or sorry, uh, why am I drawing a blank? State College, uh, you know, with, with fans going nuts, uh, possibly a whiteout. Uh, it's going to be a defensive battle. Uh, in the trenches, I like under 60 and a half, or in your case, 61. I like the under in this game. Jason? I always say this, whenever you have a, a, a battle like this coming in place and, and, and a rival like you're talking about, and, and uh, I don't know, man. I, I'm, a, I'm an offensive guy. I'm a quarterback at heart. I like the points on the board. Um, Ohio State is, is, gosh, they've been, they've been pushing it, man. They've been pushing that ball on the field. They're, they're hard to stop. They're putting up points every single week. Um, I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna stick with, I'm gonna go with the over on this one. Okay, got it. Uh, you know, after getting blown out last weekend, you'd think that Penn State would show up at home in this one. I agree, sixteen and a half is a ton of points, um, but I don't think I'd take it outright because, like you guys said, Ohio State's just been. I mean, no, nobody's even really tested those guys this year. Uh, this might not be a bad game uh, to tease up to 23 and a half, though. All right, like guys, it. I'm going to try and pick off a Sunbelt game on Thursday night where Louisiana Lafayette is getting one point at Southern Miss. The over-under in this game is 43 points. So this game opened at Southern Miss plus one and has since moved to Louisiana Lafayette plus one. 86% of the spread money and 93% of the money line money is on Southern Miss here. I watched three different breakdowns of this game on YouTube by guys who are sponsored by DraftKings and Caesars, and they all called Southern Miss. Uh, Southern Miss has one quality win against Tulane, who had a punt blocked, a field goal blocked, an interception return for a touchdown, and a missed field goal in that game. Southern Miss's true freshman quarterback also played mistake-free football in that game, which they won by a field goal where they were outgained 453 yards to 253 yards. Zach Wilkie, uh, their quarterback, has completed 90 of the 150 pass attempts for 60% uh, of his uh, completion percentage with seven TDs versus eight interceptions and a QBR rating of 119. 
Louisiana Lafayette, on the other hand, has found a quarterback in Fresno State transfer, Ben Woodridge, out of Pleasanton, California, who since taking over um, full-time two, day, two games ago against South Alabama has played really good football. He's thrown 10 touchdowns, seven coming in the last two games versus one interception this season. And he's completed 86 of 137 passes for 986 yards, good for a 62.8% completion percentage and a 145 QBR rating. I think he's going to light up this overrated Southern Miss defense. None of these sportsbook sponsored talking heads on YouTube are putting any emphasis on how Woodbridge has shined in the last two games since taking over as the full-time starter. Um, I think this is going to be a Las Vegas cleanup show. I'm hammering the Raging Cajuns plus one in this game. But if you want to play it safe, this isn't a bad tease to plus eight with Utah at a pick em here. Adam, you got any thoughts on this game? I really don't. Uh, that's not. That's not. It's not a pond I fish in very often. With the stats you just rolled off, holy smokes! Like, geez. I would say. I would say that that Southern Miss is dealing with a uh, fairly significant distraction with uh, what's happened with their, you know, fundraising and whatnot. Um, there possibly could be some people going to jail over it. Wow. Um, you know, it's hard to it's hard to discount that, but. Uh, from a pure football standpoint, it sounds like a good pick to me. Jason, so I got I got to bring you up to speed. The reason why I picked these lower conference games is I don't think the odds makers necessarily pay as much attention to what's going on them. So I think there's an opportunity to pick them off. And I went against Louisiana Lafayette against Marshall two weeks ago, and this kid got his first start without having to rotate in there, which you guys as quarterbacks yeah. – I mean, when they give you the keys to the castle versus you're getting every other series, how hard is that to get into a rhythm as a quarterback? Well, Jason never really had to do that. I did, but uh, <laughs> it's, I think it's less about the rhythm on game day and it's more about the preparation and reps you get during the week. So, you know, Bo, the, that uh, what was it, 99 season where, you know, I had to come in six or seven games and during the week I might've had four reps total during the week. Yeah, uh, it's really, really hard to do. So yeah, I, I agree with that analysis that, you know, when you're the guy getting all the reps, uh, I think that's uh, a huge difference maker when, when everybody's behind you, you know, everything, all the comments and your meetings and everything are going toward you. Uh, it's a big difference than trying to, you know, fish around for information and for, for an edge simply by watching film. So I, I think that's a, that's a very uh, big factor that you can't discount. Yeah. Yeah. I agree with you, Adam, in that sense. And I think there is a, a something to be said about the backup coming in um, when an injury happens and they're just going out there and they're trying to play and they really have nothing to lose. And, and all of a sudden you have a, a good half or a good quarter, right? Yeah. Um, but to have the, the, the sustainability and the consistency as you move forward, um, you need to have those reps in practice. And I've seen guys to where, um, to what you're saying, uh, you know, my, my freshman year at Washington State, we actually end up going and, and splitting time myself and a senior. And so the senior would start the game and I come in the second half. And so it was it was tough uh, early on because we still split practice. Um, and so yeah. we had rep practice in that sense. But even if the senior had a good first half, they still put me in, in, the, in the third quarter. And the senior sitting there going like, what? what the hell, man? Like I, yeah. can I keep get going on a rhythm because whether the score was whatever it may be or however, however it played out. So that back and forth, um, a coach can spin it as much as they want to spin it. It is a detriment to the team because here's the thing. 100%. Man, 
you're finding your leader, right? Your, your guys are going to play for certain guys. That's just the, the, that's the nature of the position that people don't go and factor in. There's there's a lot of intangibles that people don't. You can't go and put it on paper, and that's one of them. It's it's, it's a it's a feel, it's a heart, it's leadership, and when your team is going to play for that quarterback, a certain quarterback, for guys to be bouncing in and out, they feel bad for both of them. And they don't have a rhythm going offensively or, or even defensively in that matter of fact. So um, if you're going to go with a guy, stick with a guy, I can see if you're going to pull a guy in a game and let the other guy go, understandable, right? Or make a move. But to have this, hey, you get every other drive, two drives, you get two drives, it is absolute. You know, this it's 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 the dumbest thing in the world. And any coordinator out there doing that, trying to spin it, saying that it's, it's positive, is is full of shit in my mind. So yeah, I, I think that some of these coaches they get a little carried away. They're like, oh, well, let's give let's give the D coordinator a little something extra prepare for. But like like you said, they don't they don't take into account that leadership, that the timing uh, that that it takes to really develop with your receivers when you're getting all that time and those reps throughout the week. All right, uh, let's move on to Rocky Top, Jason, where Tennessee is a 12-and-a-half-point favorite at home against Kentucky. The over-under in this game is 63-and-a-half. Yeah, I'm I'm, going to sit here and say I'm going to take the over on this one, Uh, 63-and-a-half. You look at an SEC game, you look at what Kentucky has been able to do and put some points up, put some yards up there. They've been putting – I mean, they got some explosive guys out there. I mean, Kentucky we always think about for a basketball school, but – over the last two to three years, they really kind of put it on as a football school, and um, and I mean, geez, Tennessee, Tennessee might get them them points by themselves. By I mean, geez, yeah. their their offense. We saw what they did against Alabama. Um, super impressive, uh, and and they had a, they had a, the cream puff last week. I want to say, um, uh, and being able to to get something going uh, with against was the University of Middle uh Tennessee. Uh, Middle Tennessee or something like that. I don't know who it was. Ten- um, some school in Tennessee that nobody knows. About. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, they, well, they put up, they put up, they put up sixty five by themselves. Now I'm not going to say they they make they very well could put up sixty five against Kentucky, but um, I think this game is it's an easy easy over in my opinion um, from what both offenses are, are are putting out there and the quarterback play that's we're being seen. So, but so. Yeah, I'd agree with that. I think that you know a lot of times after that win at Alabama, you, you know, certain teams after a win like that it kind of is their Super Bowl and they already won it and there's a big hangover. But I think that the fact that they had a game to kind of digest that, you know, get back to practice, get back to, you know, let's keep winning. We're the Alabama games, two games behind us now. It's not last week. Uh, I think it's super important. I think Tennessee rolls them. Uh, Will Levis didn't play against South Carolina. Uh, That was really the only bad loss that this Kentucky team has had. That was at home. Uh, they went into, I think they actually, did they have Old Miss at home? I can't remember where that game was, but that came down to a last second first and goal. And uh, Levis, I think, fumbled. after They were first and goal from the eight, and then they got a penalty. Those, those, those drive-killing penalties that you get inside the 10-yard line that take you back down to, like, you know, first and 18 or whatever. And I think he fumbled on the next play, and they sealed that game. So they've played some teams tight. Uh, if he's healthy, he's he's been beat up this year. I think 12 and a half sounds like a lot in this game. And, and mm-hmm. uh, that's something I might entertain taking or pushing up to. I mean, I love the tease. If you, if you can push something up to 19 and a half just sounds like a lot of points for, for, an, for a ranked on ranked game in the SEC. Um, yeah. All right. 
Adam, let's go to Berkeley, where the Cal Bears are getting 17 and a half points at home against the Oregon Ducks. The over-under in this game is 58. Yeah, I uh, I mean, Cal is – I mean, they lost to our to our lowly Buffaloes, you know, and uh, it just seems like a, like a, you know, program that's not quite there yet or a program that's in a little bit of disarray, um, you know, there really is no home field advantage to speak of when you go to Cal. Uh, the stands are going to be half full. They might be half. There might be more Duck fans than Bear fans in the stands. Um, meanwhile, Oregon on the flip side is just hitting stride. They're they're looking like the Oregon of old. Um, they're looking like the Mariota Oregon. Um, I, I hate to say it, but uh, you know, Bo Nix is playing fantastic. Uh, the only knock I think against Oregon is that they're having a little trouble getting their defense off the field. They uh, are giving up some long drives, which is kind of compounded by some short offensive drives. So um, that would be the only thing I'd watch out for. But I think that Oregon, like Jason said in the last game, I think Oregon might cover the over by themselves in this game. So I like uh, I like the over. Over 58. Jason? Yeah, I, I would agree with that. I mean, the only thing is, is Cal, you, you might have to have Oregon by themselves cover that because Cal's offense yeah. is inept, right? And so yeah. you, you're just hoping you're hoping to get one touchdown, maybe two. And, and we, because, like, yeah. like you mentioned, Oregon's defense, um, they have struggled. And let's be honest, we talked about the Cougs earlier. That's one of the only games the Cougs actually push yep. some points on somebody, right? So yeah. um, that being said, uh, um, I think – I think I think Oregon at least puts up 42, right? If not 48, yeah. Uh, yeah. and so to get Cal to get a touchdown uh, or, or maybe a touchdown on the field goal, you're you're, you're there, right? So yeah. I, I would agree with what Adam's saying on this one. Um, I hate agreeing with him on, on certain things, but uh, <laughs> I'll agree with him on this one. Uh, 17 and a half. You know, it sounds like a lot on the road. It's not a lot in Berkeley, but uh, 10 and a half sounds great. I like pushing this thing down in a tease to 10 and a half. I think that there's a lot of games that I'm liking and, and I might throw a four or five team teaser out there this week. See if I can get lucky. Uh, all right, guys, I'm going to um, keep this thing in the Bay area where San Jose state is hosting Nevada. The over under in this game is 44 and a half. I think that San Jose state might score all 45 points by themselves in this game. They got Nevada's three best receivers in the transfer portal Nevada really can't get anything going on offense at all this year. And they had a tough time stopping a San Diego, San Diego state offense last week. Who's equally as bad as they are. Um, I think the San Jose state team is a contender for the mountain West title. Unfortunately, uh, they, they had a tragic event last weekend. They lost a teammate um, last weekend who was riding one of those uh, bird scooters on the way to a workout. And he got hit by a bus and uh, their their game last weekend got uh, postponed and canceled. I think they're going to have a little bit more to, to play for the rest of the season than everybody else they go up against. I'm pulling for them to take the, the Mountain West crown, and, and I like them big at home uh, in this game against Nevada. You got any thoughts on this one, Adam? No, I just – I mean, we've all been on teams where we've dealt with uh, tragedies like this, and uh, I think more often than not uh, it ends up – Everybody kind of you kind of circle the wagons and look within, and uh, more often than not, you end up coming out really, really strong. I mean, there's example after example of it. I mean, you look at when Favre played the game after his dad passed away. I mean, he went for like 
five or six touchdowns and they were all miraculous, you know, and you can go right on down the list. Um, you know, talk about Michael Jordan and, you know, we've lost, we've lost players. You look at the, the national championship season at Colorado, uh, you know, it tragedy can lead to great, uh, great team building, you know, um, and, um, you've been on the Trojans all year. Um, they're playing as good a football as anybody in, in the West. And, uh, I think they come out and just, um, thump them. You mean, you mean the Spartans? Spartans, sorry, Spartans, yeah. yes. Yeah, Spartans. That, that line, by the way, is 24 and a half, and I agree. I think I think they, they beat him by five touchdowns or something. Jason, any thoughts yeah. on this one? No, I, I'm, I'm going to uh, piggyback on what, what Adam said. I mean, we've all experienced our, our, our fair share of, of tragedy in our lives, and uh, there's nothing more than to be on a team and be a part of something. And, and like you said, time and time again, you can give examples from guys out in Hawaii and the Hawaii team. You can give examples from guys on the Washington State team when – uh, they lost their quarterback and, and certain things in that nature and, and how the teams come together. And so um, being at that game got canceled. And then now this is the first time they're stepping back on that field. Um, they're, they're looking, they're, they're going to do something special, you know, and, and I think uh, everybody sees that and that's why you see that spread so big. So I'll be, um, I'll be watching that game for sure. 100%. Yeah. All right, Jason, let's, uh, let's get to the NFL uh, and head to SoFi where the Rams are getting one and a half points at home against the 49ers. Uh, the over/under in this game is 43. Yeah, I'm. I'm gonna sit here and say, I mean, gosh, we got McCaffrey coming on over. He's got a week, week and a half in now. He got sunburn last week. Um, you, you know, you're gonna have some uh, more him, him implementing more into the game plan. They got so many offensive weapons, but to sit here and to, to have you know, San Fran averaging just around 20 points a game, and 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 the Rams at 17, a mere 17. Um, with no run game. I mean, that's the one thing that this is – everybody's like, what's wrong with the Rams? What's wrong with the Rams? They can't run the ball. Uh, yeah. uh, and any offense, I don't care who you are, if you look at all the big high-power passing offenses, when they can't run the ball, they don't produce, right? And so that's what's going on with the Rams right now. I know whatever was going on with Cam Akers, Cam Akers can't get, get, get any burn. He's not getting anything going down the field. Um, so they have some turmoil there. Whatever it may be, I don't know. Um, I'm going to sit here and take the under. I think everybody wants to sit here and take the over at 43 um, in NFL. I think it's going to be one of those games where um, it's going to, it's going to obviously going to come down to a last possession, uh, but I would, I'm going to ride the under on this one. And um, I'm not a big over under guy, to be honest with you, yeah. uh, but take, for some reason from today, you're taking a lot of, over I know, I know. I, but I, when, when looking at things, I'm sitting there going, golly, you know, it's just, uh, uh, I, I want to sit here and, 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 um, Take, I want to take the points. I want to. I want to uh, um, take the take the 49ers on this one because I think the the Rams have just been enough, but they're at home, and so it's like you go back and forth. I'm gonna I'm gonna take the under on this one. So 89 percent of the public is on the under uh, in this game, which is so which, I should take the over then. <laughs> which, is, which is scary. Which is scary. Exactly. Adam, any thoughts on this one? No, just that the Rams are coming off a bye week and they've been, you know, struggling for identity. Um, they've been, uh, you know, like like guests said, they've been one-dimensional, um, you know, and, you know, maybe even only half-dimensional. I mean, Cooper Cup had more receptions uh, going into their bye week than the Bears had completions as a team. So he's getting the lion's share of passes coming uh, from Matt Stafford and, and uh, you know, who knows? You know, a lot of times you get 
you know, the goal is just get to the bye week. Let's get to the bye week. Let's get to the bye week so we can get people healthy and we can start fixing some of these things. Maybe like install a new package here and there. Um, but that would be the only thing I'd say is that the Rams are coming off a of bye week and and, uh, and that matters uh, yeah. big time in the NFL. I'd like to think that the 49ers win big, uh, but so they look bad. They look bad last weekend. The entire public thinks they're going to win big. 90% of the money is currently pouring in on the 49ers on the money line and yeah. giving up, giving up the one and a half. And whenever I see that, that's an automatic red flag. Part of the thing with beating the book is not just finding games where you think you can win, but not taking shots um, where you've got indicators that are telling you to stay away. I think yeah. it's, su- it's super important to listen to that indicators. And I find myself when I go up big, you know, I'm up 10, 15 grand. Yeah. And I'm all of a sudden I'm, I think I, I think I'm unstoppable and I start ignoring all yeah. these little rules that I've developed over the last two seasons. And I give it all back. It's like, I just want action. And so I just take whatever the next game's on without having any kind of knowledge or an edge in that game. And then you start to see it back and then I go down a little bit and now I implement all my rules and I, and I come back up. So it's, it's really to try to win, you have to be disciplined. And if you're not disciplined and you're just playing for, for the fun of it, then play small, you know, throw, throw something that you're comfortable losing. Like, what do they say when you go to Vegas, uh, leave your debit card at home and, and, And take take with you what you what you're comfortable losing, and, and treat it as entertainment, um, just like you would if you went to a bar. And uh, really, if you're going to play undisciplined, that's the way that you should play. Uh, all right, Adam, take us to Indy, where the Colts are a three point favorite at home against the Washington Commanders. The over under in this game is forty points. Yeah, I don't. I just don't know how you could call the Colts a favorite against anyone right now. Um, you know, this was supposed to be the big return of Carson Wentz to Indianapolis. Um, that's not happening. Um, the the commanders, or I wish they would have kept the Washington football team. I really liked it. I don't know why. I thought it was a great name. But uh, the commanders, you know, they look great uh, beating a Green Bay team this past weekend. And uh, the Colts are among the biggest dumpster fires in the NFL right now. Um, they're starting a guy named Sam Ellinger who uh, who – by all accounts, is a great player, but this is his first start. I don't know what the NFL historical data is on, on quarterbacks in their first start, but I would have to think that the win percentage is down around 20% or so. Um, so Washington's getting two and a half. I think Washington wins outright. I'm taking the money line. Jason? I love it. I love the, love the call. I mean, that's, that's, that's one that you put a star on and like you talked about, Bo, having the uh, having the discipline, right, and saying, "Hey, where are the indicators? What's what's taking place?" Adam named them all right there. And when you when you sit there and you see how uh, the the commander, gosh, can we say the commanders? Um, I know. <laughs> came back came back in that game against the yeah. the uh, the, uh, the Packers. It was uh, that 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 right something for that team. You, you know how you can carry that that wave carries over to that next week, and uh, with with that quarterback play. Um, with what he's able to do. And like we talked about earlier, guys playing for certain guys. And um, I, I truly think that um, with a, a rookie quarterback, even though they are at home, uh, gosh, 
it's hard it's hard to pick them and i think that's a big that's a big 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 one right there a big star around that one and i might go and, and try to fly down to vegas and put money on that one myself <laughs> uh, i'm i'm looking at the over in this game uh 96 of the money is coming in on the under give me a couple of 55 to 60 yard pass interference calls to help that thing go over uh and and for vegas to to, to take some money in that game or on the over under let's go to monday night football on halloween where the browns are getting three and a half points at home against cool joe and the cincinnati Bengals. the over under in this game is 47 so the bank the Bengals struggle in pass protection burrow has been sacked 24 times which is third worst in the league Miles Garrett is a menace off the edge, and without that car accident and a missed game, he's probably right up there with Micah Parsons for the league lead in sacks. The best way to beat Burrow is to hit him and keep him off the field with a strong ground game, which Cleveland has. All the money is coming in on Joe and a Cincy blowout. Give me the Browns plus three and a half as the primetime dog in rowdy Cleveland on Halloween night. Adam, you got any thoughts here? I like to pick, uh, you know, Nick Chubb is the best player on the worst team. You know, he's one of those guys that, that uh, you know, the more he gets the ball, the more success they're going to have. Uh, super special athlete, potentially the best athlete in the NFL, in my opinion. Um, he, guy, he, he, like, in high school, he won the 100, the 200, and the shot put or something like that. Wow. Uh, just a maniac uh, athlete. Um, so if they can get the ball, if they can get the run game going a little bit, um, I like him. Um, I like I like your analysis on if you can hit Joe Burrow, he becomes a little more pedestrian. Um, so that's what it's going to come down come down to. Can you can you keep Joe Burrow in third and long situations? Can you get pressure on him without without sending a whole bunch of guys? Um, that's what it's going to boil down to. But think I don't about, I don't I don't hate the pick. Think about how loud that place is going to yeah. be on Monday night Halloween. Halloween. Yeah. With with Miles Garrett coming off the edge, that's going to put you know it's going to be real yeah. tough for those offensive linemen. Yeah, the 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 camera angles in the crowd are going to be awfully interesting. Yeah. <laughs> Jason, so, so any, any thoughts on this one? Uh, I, I love I love it as well too. I think you're right on on board with um, the Browns taking the Browns uh, taking the money line. I mean, geez, I, I would be all over that as well too. So um, you're dead on when you're talking about the crowd, the noise, the atmosphere. I think that's a lot. That, that, that's a part where people don't factor in a lot. They just go and see certain players. They see certain lines. They they look at who scores what points, um, and they don't factor that stuff in. And and, and as you guys know, the dog pound it's going to get rowdy. And like you mentioned, uh, with that pass rush with Miles Garrett, and you explained it all very well earlier with the car crash and whatnot. Uh, that's that's a recipe for disaster. So um, I, I really like that pick as well. Yeah, you you hear Joe Burrow versus the Cleveland Browns and like your gut says they're going to kill him, right? The guy yeah, threw yeah. what five touchdowns last weekend. Yeah, and the, yeah. and in the, in the NFL like you rarely you rarely see blowouts happen by no. one team two games in a row. And, no, and, the, and the, you know they're in-state rivals, you know. Um so you got a rivalry, you have a disruptive travel schedule. They're probably taking a bus. It's Monday night game. Uh, Halloween. Halloween. Anything can happen. Like all the, when you have all those different disruptive factors, uh, you know, data kind of goes out the window, and it becomes a backyard brawl. 
Yeah, so, you, you throw in the fact that you might have the refs on your side a little bit with all the money coming in on Cincy. It's just like all, all the indicators. With the, It's like Joe Burrow versus all the indicators that are telling me to, to take the Cleveland Browns. And yeah. when, I, when, I, when I was younger, I, I, the only thing I would look at is Joe Burrow. That, yeah. would, be, that would be my only thing to, to, you know, where I would decide to throw my money on this game. Yeah. All right, guys. Well, that's all the time we have for you today. Thanks to all you listeners for tuning in. If you enjoyed the show, please do us a solid and hit that YouTube subscribe button to stay up to date with future episodes. And follow us on Instagram at Armchair Donkeys to catch our plays in real time. Jason, thanks for joining us on the show today. Adam, thanks for making the introduction. Good luck this weekend, guys. All right. Take it easy. Thanks, man. All right.